Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good evening, River of Life. I, I gotta say, that was pretty cool, actually. As much as it wasn't cool for the tech team who was running like crazy to figure out what was going on, that was pretty cool. Uh, Take that, devil. Hey? You tried. Hey, can I just tell you how cool it is? Billy just brought this flashlight up here, and that's super cool. But what you don't know is that Billy ran all the way home to go get that flashlight. Billy's like, yeah, I did. Uh, very cool. Well, I'm glad that you're with us tonight, and we're super excited. We have no idea what Star Valley's getting from us tonight, uh, but hopefully they're back, and they're, they're with us, and, and Malawi, uh, we will get you something from this or from tomorrow. Um, can I just tell you, the other thing I'd like you to pray with me about is Ted and Ida, who are our leads in Malawi, Africa. Ida is in the United States. She is going to be here at the end of the month to be with us for a weekend. And Ted is trying to get his visa worked out so that he can also be here at the end of the month. And so will you just, when you think about them this week, would you just pray that everything will work out? How cool will it be to have both Ted and Ida from Malawi up on stage with us at the end of this month? Amen? God is good and we're excited about what he's doing and he will continue to do amazing things as long as we continue to put ourselves in his hands. Amen? Amen. Well, we are in a series that we've called Armored Up. And, uh, and so I want to look at Ephesians chapter 6 again. This is our key verse that we'll be looking at over the next few weekends. I do want to mention to you, next weekend is our women's retreat, which is great for the ladies. And men, I just want to challenge you right now. Free babysitting in this house, right? Now, I know they get mad at me when I call it babysitting because it's not. It's, they're doing a lot of great stuff at that end. But I'm just telling you guys in the house who are going to have your kids, your wives are going to be gone, Bring them here. Let the amazing team at that end take care of them for you for an hour and a half. Don't use this as an excuse, right? Come on, Jason. Um, Don't use this as an excuse to stay home. This is a perfect opportunity for us to come together. And those ladies who aren't going to the women's retreat, we need you in the house. We want you here. We're excited. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand... Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments, Lord, show us what we need to see. God, I know that there are people who are watching, that are in the room, that are, that are joining us, even in prison. 
God, that we're at all different places in our faith journey. So God, I pray that your word would speak directly to us. Wherever we find ourselves in our faith journey, that God, today we'll be drawn forward. We'll be drawn closer to you. We just thank you, God, that you are so faithful and so good. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we need to understand from this particular series that we're in is that we are on the front lines of a spiritual war. I told you last week that it doesn't say in there, put on the bathrobe of peace and the slippers of salvation, right? Everything that Paul is describing here is battle, battle ready. Like the church needs to be battle ready. We need to, we need to armor up. We need to understand that we live in a world that is not our home. This is not where we are to find comfort and, and joy. It's not, it's not from this place. Our home is in heaven. Our home is for eternity. And so we need to live this life understanding that there are going to be things, pressures that come against us, and we need to take a stand. And we have watched over the last couple of years how the church, and, and honestly, all of the church, even us, we were guilty in, in the season of, of taking a back seat and stepping back and, and, and almost like bowing a little bit to try and make everybody happy. And I'm just telling you right now, that is not what the word says. The word says that we are going into a battle. And so last week, we talked about the belt of truth. And we talked about the importance of this and that we are, we are to put on this belt and it is, it is, sometimes it's snug and sometimes it isn't comfortable, but it's necessary. The belt of truth is integrity. It means you not only know the truth, but you also act on the truth. And I think this is where we've kind of lost it because I think the church has known the truth for a long time, but I think we've backed away from acting on the truth because we want to make everybody happy. We want everybody to be comfortable around us. I was thinking about that even this afternoon as I was, as I was re-looking re at my notes, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's amazing to me because you'll see, a lot of times you'll see preachers who are famous Preachers that people know throughout the country, maybe even throughout the world, and they'll get invited onto a, a TV show where they'll, they'll be interviewed, and they'll, they'll all of a sudden get asked hard questions about things like abortion and gay marriage and all of the things, and they'll, they'll back away, they'll loosen the belt just a little bit to make sure that everybody is comfortable. And I'm telling you right now that God is not calling us to loosen the belt, He's telling us to live with integrity. He's telling us, because guess what happens? If you loosen the belt too much, your pants fall down. And so we need to understand the importance of that particular part of the armor of God. God is calling us to be a church that walks with integrity. If we know the truth, but we don't act on it, then we don't have integrity. And in fact, that's called hypocrisy. And God says that, if we are hypocrites, we have no defense against Satan then. See, the enemy is wanting to devour you. He's wanting to destroy you. And so we need to be a, a people of integrity. In Ephesians, Apostle Paul says the second thing to do in spiritual warfare is to wear righteousness like a breastplate. So Roman centurions would wear a breastplate and that would protect their vital organs while they were in battle. It protected their heart and their liver and their lungs and their kidneys. So what is the breastplate of righteousness for us? 
It is purity of heart and purity in motivation. So the Bible asks in Psalm chapter 24, verse 3 and 4, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Now, I want to stop there for a moment because we just last week talked about the belt of truth. And this isn't the main point I want to get from this verse, but I do want to point it out again, is that right alongside of, of swearing your soul to an idol is to swear to what is false, to, to speak what you know to not be true, to say things because the world wants you to believe them and wants you to say them and you want to fit in with all your friends when you know that the word says the opposite. So again, we see how important truth is. So who gets to be close to God? The Bible says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, trust me. But it means that you're confessed up and you're moving forward. See, we, we have got to get back to a place where we understand this is so vitally important to our faith journey that we are continuing to move forward. You may not always do the right thing, but you must want to do the right thing. Your heart really, for your heart to really be pure, although you will, although you will still make mistakes, you need to come to a place where you are longing to be pure. Now that's, I think, where we miss it. Because if we're honest, if we were going to go around the room and I was going to say, hey, do you think that you could be perfect? I doubt anybody in the room would say yes to that. Right? We all know I, I'm going to make mistakes before I, my head hits the pillow tonight. Right? I, I know that. But is my heart one where I'm chasing after purity or is it not? Am, have I just settled to say, oh, well, my flesh, it always wins, so why even fight? No. As believers, if we're going to put on the breastplate of righteousness, we need to understand that we need to long for righteousness. We need, to, we need to want righteousness again. Some have no interest or intention of doing the right thing. And Jesus said it like this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And sometimes I think we hear that verse and we think about we'll see God by going to heaven, but I'm, I take that verse to mean you'll see God active in your life. I believe that as we begin to seek after righteousness, as we begin to seek after having a pure heart, that we will see God activated in our lives. If you're not seeing God's work in your life right now, how is your heart? Are you chasing after him? Are you longing for righteousness? See, I, I, I know this to be true. I bet there are many of us in the room right now that you would say, you know what, I think I've, I've, I'm pretty good. I'm in a pretty good spot right now. There are these little things, if we're going to be honest, there's these little things that I really enjoy, that I really like, and I know that they're not pleasing to God, but I'm going to be okay with holding on to those because look how far I've come in all the other areas. Now, don't get me wrong. You will not be perfect until one day. Yes. You won't be. But are you striving for it? Are you striving to look more like him? Are you trying? Are In those areas in your life where you're struggling, where you know this is an area that I know doesn't please him, is it something that you're actively working to release to him? Hmm, some of you are like, man, I should have taken Labor Day off. <laughs> it 
It's amazing to me how easily we can justify things. I will see people who will, who will you know, they, they, they've let go of so much stuff in their life, but then they will justify even simple things like, like you know, uh, they're, they're like, oh man, I've, I've really come to this point where I, I, I hear Jason and the other Jason get up and they talk about tithing and, and I've started to tithe and I've started to give, but then they'll, they'll do things actively to rip people off. They'll, they'll do what they can to try and lie and cheat and, in the world and they'll justify it. Well, if I don't have to, if I don't have to pay my taxes, then I'll, I can give more to the church. And we'll justify. And I'm just telling you right now, like, we've got to examine our heart. We are called by his name. Act like it. Without the breastplate, the fiery darts of the enemy begin to change our heart. Changing who we are. And many believers today don't strive for righteousness. And Satan is going to try to weaken you and make you a pushover. He's going to tempt you to fill your life with all kinds of things that are impure. He's going to give you impure thoughts. He's going to give you impure motives. He's going to suggest impure desires. And some of the church culture have even bought into this and will this idea that, well, I'll never be perfect, so I'm going to just lean heavy into God's grace. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just know that God loves me and he's such a good God and that, that he'll watch out for me. And so no matter what I do, he loves me and he sees me and all that. And that's, and that's an excuse is what that is. It's an excuse that I don't want to do the hard work. I don't, wanna, I don't want to wear the breastplate of righteousness. It's uncomfortable at times. And so we don't, and we just live our lives doing whatever we want, but what we don't understand is every piece of the armor is there on purpose. Amen. See, you, if you're going to go into battle, you don't pick up stuff that's extra that you're not going to need. You only bring what you absolutely are going to need. Amen. So how do you figure that out? When, when your commander says, hey, listen, they're going to be shooting some fiery darts at you, so you're going to want the breastplate, you're going to need the shield, you're going to want the sword. You're going to want these things because when you get out on the battlefield, you can't do anything. You can't go back and go get it. You're on the battlefield. That's right. And so for many of us, we were like, oh, yeah, I like the battlefield. That's cool, but I don't really care for the, you know, the breastplate and I don't need the belt. And you're going to get out there and you're going to find out that you needed all the things. Righteousness, righteousness is not for God's benefit. It is for your benefit. The breastplate protects your heart. The enemy will try to give you impurity through pornography, through movies, through books, through music. Maybe even he'll make you stumble with greed. Maybe you sit here today and you're like, Jason, none of those things. I'm not participating in any of that. I actually really feel like I got my act together. Well, then the enemy may use the impurity through pride. Here's, here's something that is rampant in the church. And it is the, uh, this idea of at least I'm not. The devil will use this every day of your life if you let him. And this is what it is. It's the, well, yeah, maybe I've got this little struggle over here, but at least I'm not. Right? Oh, I, yeah, yeah, it's true that, yeah, I've been, I probably drank a little bit too much, and I know what the Bible says about being drunk, but at least I'm not doing drugs. 
right? Oh, yeah, I looked at some pornography, but at least I'm not having an affair, right? But Jesus, when he was on earth, he addressed these things, and like even that, he said, he said yeah, the, the, the law says don't commit adultery, but I tell you, if you even looked at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. Why? Because Jesus is saying, I want righteousness for my church. He, the enemy is so good at what he does. He will start putting holes in your breastplate. Little impurities, little compromises, a compromise here, a compromise there. He'll get you to, to agree to things that you shouldn't agree to because they're small in, the, in, in comparison to what they could be. And, he, and then you get sent out into a battlefield and you've got all these holes and now, guess what? You can't focus on what you're supposed to focus on because you've got to constantly pay attention to the weaknesses inside of your life. On the other hand, when we wear the breastplate of righteousness, you are genuinely trying to keep your heart pure and keep your motives clean. Satan is afraid of anyone with a pure heart because it will ultimately give them a brave heart. See, if you, if you move in this direction, and, and again, hear me, because some of you are leaving like, I don't know how you could ever be, you know, right. I don't know how you can ever be righteous. I don't know how you can walk that out. I don't know how you can ever be pure. It's your motives. What is my motive? Am I motivated towards being more like Jesus every day? And that means that, that whatever, whatever mistakes I made yesterday, I'm working on them today. Whatever my struggle was that, that I'm coming from, I know I'm moving away from that struggle each and every day. And when I stumble, I'm not going to believe the enemy's lie that tells me, well, see, you keep stumbling. You might as well not even try. You're never going to not have that thing in your life, so you might as well just, just settle in and know that it's going to always be there. That's a lie from the enemy because God told me that I'm an overcomer, Amen. that I'm actually victorious. The church has got to get past the victim mentality. I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> She's humming. She's just, that's so good. <laughs> so where is the impurity in your life? Come clean before God. And then put on the breastplate of righteousness. You may go, how can it be possible to even do this? Is it even humanly possible but it's the very point. It cannot be done on our own. We cannot do it on our own. Listen to Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive, we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. But this doesn't mean that the law has been abandoned or abolished. Jesus fulfilled the law. So when we step into his grace, we satisfy the law because we are wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus. But still, there's still righteousness involved, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 2 through 4 says this. 
And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of weakness, weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in the body like the bodies, of sin, the, the bodies that sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who now no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Now, hold on for a second because you hear this verse and I've heard preachers, they'll talk about this and they'll say, it's not by anything you can do. Jesus did it all. All of that's true, but it also follows up with saying that we will no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we will start to follow the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, so you may go, well, I like the grace part. I love that Jesus paid for it. That's super cool. But this other part is hard to wrap my mind around. And here's why. Because we bought into a lie that says when we surrender to Jesus, we have to give up all the fun stuff. That's a lie. The one who created you knows you. The one who designed everything sees you and knows what will actually bring fulfillment to you. So when you actually surrender and you say, God, I, I'm trusting you and, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to let go of these things that I know don't please you and, and are not how you designed me to be, then you begin to let go and let go and let go. And all of a sudden then fulfillment begins to come to you and life begins to be breathed into you and the enemy's lies begin to be exposed in your life. We often get stuck because we feel like in order to be righteous, we must work extra hard, and then we become disheartened when we make a mistake. So many Christians will put on an air of righteousness instead of the breastplate of righteousness. People will fake it till they make it. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to believe it and receive it. You can, you, you can fake it, but guess what you do? We created a generation. There was a generation that faked it. I'm not saying all of them, but there was a lot of them. They, they didn't actually put on the breastplate of righteousness. They just put on the air of righteousness. And they acted like they got it all together. And if you don't have it all, I mean, that's, there, there were churches that if you'd, have, if you'd have walked in the door and you had tattoos and you, and you were dressed not appropriately, they'd have escorted you out the door because they put on an air of righteousness. God did not call us to put on, can I tell you, an air of righteousness is going to do nothing for you in battle. God wants his church to wear the breastplate of righteousness. And that means we can be honest. We can go, man, I don't have it all together. Man, I'm messed up and I'm still struggling. I'm still trying to figure this thing out. But I will tell you this, that I'm trying every day to, to, to find my motivation in him, to find my purity through him, to figure out where I'm, where I'm wrong and how to be right and where I'm struggling and how he can be my strength when I'm weak. 
So in other words, there, is, there are people that will pretend they are righteous. And if the enemy is shooting at you and you just have the air of righteousness, you have nothing to protect you. And that is why we see so many righteous people fall. Real righteousness does not come from working hard. It comes from the work that's already been done by Jesus. Our focus must always be on Jesus, the word of God and living according to his spirit. And within that intimate relationship, we learn to trust Jesus to take care of the details in our life. Even the smallest details of the law, Jesus can take care of in your life. Many people have become self-righteous. Self-righteousness comes from self, and so it's dependent on you. It's not what we're called to do. Wrapping ourselves daily in Christ protects what is vital in our lives. See, self-righteousness says, oh, I can do this. Oh, I'm strong enough. Oh, I'm good enough. Watch me. Look at how good I am. And the reality is, is when you do that, first of all, you're not wearing the breastplate. And when the enemy attacks, and he will... You will fall. You will struggle. You will have things go against you that are bigger than you. But if we as believers will understand that we need to daily wrap ourselves in Christ because he's the one that will protect what's vital in our lives. The breastplate of righteousness protects you from pain in the long run. See, sometimes we don't want to put on righteousness because, again, we think we're going to miss out on something. We feel like, well, I, I, I'm good with as far as I've gotten. This is as far as I want to go, so I'm going to stop here. But what, what we're missing out on is that breastplate actually stops us from, from so much pain that will come if we don't wear it. Being in battle with the breastplate with holes in it, you will constantly fight. You will constantly worry about hiding those things. And I think there are many Christians today that you live your lives where, where you, you can put on an air, you can say, I've got it all together, but secretly you've got stuff going on. And so you're, you're trying to be in battle while you're still trying to pay attention to make sure nobody sees the holes in your breastplate when you have no intention of actually filling the holes. And God is saying, listen, I... I, you, well, you're in battle. Your focus needs to be in the right place. I think sometimes as we talk about the armor of God, I think sometimes we look at the armor as a burden. Can I tell you that the armor doesn't actually weigh you down? It frees you. Every part listed is vital to winning the battle. So we see that God sent Jesus to save us from our sins. His death on the cross paid for every wrong you've ever done or will do. And by sacrificing himself for your sins, he's giving you his righteousness, Jesus. Jesus made it possible so that you can have a relationship with God the Father. So can I just tell you, your flesh will fight you on this. It doesn't want to die. Your flesh does not want to die. Your flesh wants to, 
to stay alive, your flesh wants to keep doing what your flesh wants to do. And so the enemy will lie and tell you that you don't have to be righteous and you can't be righteous. You don't have it in you to be righteous. So why try? But when our righteousness comes from the work of Jesus, not from what we've done, we need to, we need to say that back to the devil. We need to say, yeah, I get it. I can't be righteous on my own. You're absolutely right. But he's righteous. And he's wrapping himself around me. So my righteousness comes from him. The enemy will tell you that even if you become righteous, then you're going to miss out on stuff. And this is why it's important for us to realize that we are in a battle. If you know there is an enemy who wants to destroy you, you would not listen to that enemy. So if we... This is where the mindset, we've got to have a shift to take place in our minds. Because for decades, we have, we have been, the, we have been a, the church in Western culture that we come and we, we sit in church and we do a little witnessing, we do a little outreach, we do a little singing, we do a little listening, we do all of those things. But honestly, we are in a season right now where it is so apparent that we are in a battle. Culture is pushing and pushing and pushing and robbing and stealing. A generation is being robbed right now. And so the church, we've got to get to a place where we understand when Paul is talking, I think he's talking to 2022. I think he's telling the church today, put on the armor because you're in a battle. Armor up. Why has righteousness become so uh, become why has righteousness been diminished in church culture? Because it's the breastplate. The enemy wants you in battle without the breastplate. He wants your heart exposed. This is such a vital part of our faith journey for us to understand the importance of righteousness. Because it 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 guards our heart. It protects us. And the enemy, guess what? If the enemy can get your heart, he's got you. If he can turn your heart towards things that are ungodly, he's got you. And guess what? Not only does he have you, he probably will end up having your children too. See, he's cunning and he knows what he's doing. He's coming after those of us who are called by his name because he wants us to not protect our hearts. He wants us to be in a position of vulnerability. If, if this was a real thing, if, we were to, if, if all of a sudden there was, a, there was an attack and we were, we were in, in those days where that's the way that you would, you would dress. And in fact, actually last week after we talked about the belt of truth, I talked to one of our guys that comes to our church and he's a sheriff's deputy. And he said, he said you know what? The belt is so important. And he said, and then if, he said the breastplate or the, the armor that I wear like that's, I, I put that on knowing that, that I want to come home to my kids. And so for us as parents and adults in the room, what you need to understand is you need the breastplate of righteousness. You need to be seeking to be more and more like Jesus. Let's not get comfortable because the battle is raging. And you may go, well, sometimes it's not comfortable to wear it. You need it on. Because the enemy is going to, he's, he's going to shoot darts. 
He's going to fire at you. He's going to try and take you out. Because for many of us, if he can take out mom and dad, he can take out the kids. And then all of a sudden now, generation after generation will be lost. It's time for us to stand. It's time for us to understand the importance of this. For some of us, we've been in the church. But if we're honest right now, I believe that a lot of us that are even in this room right now, we become complacent. We become comfortable. We, we do the better than. Well, I'm doing better than that person. And so I'm good where, where I am. But until we, have, until we are like Jesus, we need to keep striving to be like Jesus. So tonight, in just a few moments, the worship team's gonna come and they're gonna lead us in some worship. But I really feel like the call tonight is this. It's a confessing the fullness of our hearts. Confessing to the things, the little areas that we've allowed to slip in, the little things that that we've justified, the things that we know are wrong. And some of you, maybe you sit here today and you're like, man, I feel like there's a distance between me and Jesus right now. The enemy wants you to have that distance. So what has he done? He sold you on this compromise. And then he sold you on that compromise. And he's brought you to a place where you just keep taking steps away from him. And then you wonder, where is he? Can I tell you, he didn't go anywhere. It's time to armor up. It's time to put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's time to understand that our righteousness doesn't come from our hard working. It comes from him. So what if every morning we woke up and said, Jesus, make me more like you. Show me the areas that I'm not like you. For some of you, there's big things that you know you're struggling with. It's struggles that you've wrestled with for a long time. For some of you, there's little things, little foxes that are spoiling the vine. Little things that are getting in and they're robbing from you. Things that you go, oh, it's not that big of a deal that I gossiped about my coworker to my other coworker. But that, as little as that seems, it's still a thing where you're putting a hole in your breastplate. It's okay that I got angry and screamed at my kids even though it wasn't their fault and I, and I cussed them out. They'll get over it, it'll be fine. No, it's still a hole in your breastplate. So I'm not saying feel shame or feel bad about it. No, but I'm saying work on it. Hand it to Jesus. Say, hey, I'm struggling with gossip and I didn't even realize. Can I, can I tell you, there, I've said this in here before, but there's a season in my wife and my life where we were in ministry at a, diff, at a different place and, and we all of a sudden became really good friends with this other couple. And we would sit and we would critique the lead pastor of our church. It wasn't you, Dad. <laughs> Different church. Uh, it really wasn't. Uh, but we, uh, we would sit and we would critique. And that's how it started. It was a little critique. And then moved to full-on gossip. And it became actually bitterness. And every time we'd get together, I mean, it, it, it felt good. Like this person's on staff with me and, we're, and we know we know that this guy is kind of a, a jerk at times, and so we're going to talk about that, and we're going to badmouth him. And one day, all of a sudden, when I was in prayer, I really felt conviction. I was like, oh, 
So the next time we got together, I realized, oh man, this whole relationship is about bashing this guy. So I, I said something to my wife and she said, I've been feeling that same thing. And so we had to go to this couple and it was hard. But we said, listen, I don't think our relationship is healthy. Like if we can hang out and not talk bad about our boss, then we can hang out. But if that's what, and they got offended and they didn't want to be our friends anymore. But can I tell you, like, once you start paying attention to where are there holes in the breastplate, and then you say, God, how do I fill them? How do I wrap myself in you? Because the battle's here. It's time to be battle ready. I'm asking everybody to close your eyes with me. The worship team's going to come. They're going to get ready to sing. And I just really feel like tonight, I want to give you an opportunity because I know I, was, I would venture to say that most of us have things in our lives that we've justified. We have things in our lives that we have, we have even maybe made the statement where, we've, where we say that, you know what, as bad as that is, it's not as bad as, or could be worse. And I'm telling you right now that God is looking for us to drop the at least I'm not syndrome and to say, how can I be who you need me to be? God, I need you to wrap yourself around me. So these little areas of compromise, tonight is your night, or big areas of compromise, whatever that is, tonight is your night to come before God and say, Lord, I know that you've already paid for righteousness for me. And I've not been... I've not been living in it. So tonight I'm going to let some stuff go. And I'm going to trust you. And all of a sudden now, when you're in battle, you're not having to look down at yourself to see if anybody else is noticing the holes in your armor. But you can focus on doing what God's calling you to do. And I believe that there are going to be ministries that are raised up out of this church that are not even part of this church. I believe there are gonna be things that are gonna go forth from this place into other states and other nations. But God hasn't laid that on you yet because you're still not battle ready. So it's time for you to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to let go of the compromise and to begin to chase after what he has for you. So I'm gonna pray over you. Tonight, as we just close this time out with some worship, if, you, if, that, if you're feeling like, man, I've got stuff I know I need to let go of, there's no judgment in this room. Because let's be real, we probably all have stuff. But I'm gonna just challenge you, come and come to an altar and let that stuff go. Say, God, I'm tired of compromise. I'm ready. Heavenly Father, God, right now we, tonight's the night where we're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. It's not because we're righteous, but it's because you're righteous. It's because you paid the price for righteousness for us. So God, we're, we're putting the armor on. Lord, I know that there are many, many, many who are watching that have compromised and compromised, and many have even justified it, or they've just been good at hiding it. But Lord, they're not hiding it from you. So God, tonight we trust you. I pray over every person within the sound of my voice that, Lord Jesus, we would come to a place 
where we would surrender to you. And in that surrender, God, we won't lose out, but instead we will find what we've been missing. God, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and worship with us? The altars are open if you want to come and just spend some time with him. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.